Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bird's Eye Astrology Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Lipanowitz. And I'm Margaret Keppel. This is the July forecast. Nate is still um, doing his thing in the south of France and whatnot. Awesome. Which very good for him. We're very happy for him. Unfortunately, that means he's still not with us to record. We miss you, Nate. Yeah, we miss you. Yeah, so we are in the thick of some of the most difficult astrology of 2019, which is a difficult enough year as it is. We're starting this recording at 7.20 p.m. on June 22nd, 2019 in New York, New York. So this is a really hard period of time. Austin Coppock called it the meat grinder. And I think you and I talked about that metaphor on the June forecast. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But as I've been writing my dailies and and the weeklies in particular have been really good for my inspiration for this, I've been thinking of it more as the fog-filled labyrinth. Because there's this sense of just wandering in a maze and running into wall after wall and not knowing where you're going because there's a lot of Neptune involved with this. And there are monsters and traps that spring out of the maze and fight you. But there's also Jupiter in all of this. Like there's a whole lot of all's well that ends well. (laughs) Overseeing the whole affair, like shit sucks in a lot of ways. Yeah, a lot of ways. But when I'm doing a tarot reading for a client, I did a few of those today, everything going on right now sucks. And then here in the outcome is, you know, Ace of Cups, or here in the outcome is the Emperor or the Magician or Ten of Pentacles. You know, there's there's always some really positive thing in the outcome card. And there's also like a lot of things working out really, really well in the end. Or at least being able to see that they will after all of this shit is (laughs) after you've escaped the labyrinth. Because it's like there is this beneficent overseer hovering over the labyrinth. It's like part Harry Potter, part Greek myth. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good blending. Because it's going to be a happy ending, unlike Goblet of Fire. So <laughs> unlike Goblet of Fire. No, no, it's like it's like what would happen if Voldemort didn't actually get involved in Goblet of Fire. It's like the hedge base, except instead of uh spoiler alert, Cedric Diggory getting killed, then like you actually reach the tri wizard tournament cup and, and win or lose. Um, <laughs> win or lose. But you do not in fact get eaten by the strange monsters. Yeah, exactly. You make it out. Because there's Professors monitoring everything. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that would that would have been a happier ending. So we're in we're in one of those. <laughs> Can you imagine like what would happen if like Board of Education safety inspectors showed up at Hogwarts? <laughs> right. Oh my god! You let the kids do what? <laughs> what? 
<laughs> oh man, yeah, I can only imagine what they would say. <laughs> J.K. Rowling sucks so much at world building <laughs> that she accidentally created a horrific dystopia. Anyway, plot twist. So does the government, frankly. <laughs> That's one of the things that I've really been seeing. It's a very serious theme coming up with all of this labyrinth stuff of all of these planets going through cancer, you know, running up against Saturn and Pluto and the South Node, you know, what I've been calling the Boneyard, is we've got concentration camps. Yeah. And it's pretty fucked up. The emphasis is very much on the children in the concentration camps. Yes, absolutely. Because of all this stuff in cancer being soft and sensitive. Yeah. Those are not easy times to live in. There is really terrible things happening. And one of the things astrology tells us is that there are terrible times where everything sucks. And the other thing it tells us is that those times end. Yeah, exactly. The overarching themes of history we're in still going on for a little while. Um, but this particular section of 2019, the, the fog-filled labyrinth, that is over on July 31st. Well, it's like what you were, what we discussed on the last episode, like evil always triumphs in the middle. Exactly. <laughs> we're in the middle of the year, so. Yeah, well. Pretty on the nose. We're in the middle of this particular cycle of history. Yeah, so it's kind of a bummer and we can't really see what's going on, but I'm just going to go ahead and. Be optimistic about Jupiter, which is kind of the point of Jupiter. Jupiter's helping everything out, like thankfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like, I mean, this has been really tough astrology, and it's also, and I've been, I've gotten slammed in so many ways, and I'm also like. And there's also been really great stuff that's been happening for me as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I've been finding community in new ways. I'm in a relationship now for the first time in like two years. Yeah. And she and I actually met at uh, UAC, United Astrology Conference last year. Yeah. Where I also met you, Margaret. True story. Mm -hmm. It's a good place to meet people of like mind. So highly Absolutely. would recommend. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because after UAC, I was like, okay, I need my next relationship to be with an astrologer. And then a year later, it was I'm in a relationship with an astrologer. I met at UAC. Which is awesome. Right? <laughs> I honestly, part of why I love astrology so much is because there's so much community in astrology. Yeah, definitely. There isn't really a community like that in tarot. It's I feel like it's kind of hard to have that kind of community though. It is hard to have that community. I I'm in New York City and that helps a lot. I just serendipitously wound up at a party full of other astrologers last night, <laughs> which I didn't know was happening and then Maria Wander, who's an amazing astrologer and on the board of one of the major astrological organizations and she'll be annoyed that I can't remember which. I'm pretty sure it's either NCGR or ISAR. Anyway, um, she's great. 
And she just got invited to this party and brought me along. And so I was up to, I didn't get home until like 2 a.m. last night. Nice. Yeah. And it was just amazing. It was just, I mean, I remember like the nerdiest fucking jokes. <laughs> like being able to go to someone and be like, okay, lesson learned. Do not use the Orphic hymn for Saturn. Use the Hygromantia prayer. And have yeah. them actually understand why that's funny and crack up laughing about it. <laughs> Since listeners, I'm sure, are going to be confused. Uh, Orphic hymns tend to activate an energy when you're trying to invoke a planet, like make it really, really strong. And the Hygromantia prayers are from this specific special book, whatever. Those tend to be like, hey, you, you are this planet under these specific divine powers and you obey them. So obey them. (laughs) Do your thing, but like under the power of God. It's like Mm -hmm. this Christian imagery and whatnot, but it works. You know, it brings the planetary energy in, in a much more chill way. Right. Um, but I didn't have to, you know, something to know for people interested in planetary magic, which is one of the things I'm very interested in and why we talk about it on this podcast. But it's good to have community with other astrologers. And I think yeah, that's absolutely. one of the things, like, even if your community, even if astrology is just something, a hobby, like something you're interested in, and it's not your main thing. Um, whatever your community is, if you have it, cherish it and sort of stick with other people. There's so much emphasis on self care, but I don't think people need self care so much as we need community care. Yeah, you posted an article about that the other day, and I, I read that. It's a or did I post it? And you read it. I don't remember. (laughs) Community care is essential because we need other people, and finding people in your life who are also having a hard time. And reach out to them and see what you can do to help. Let people know you have their back and see if they can have yours. You know, make arrangements with the people around you who you have in your life to look out for each other. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the despair and the sadness comes from isolation, comes from feelings of being disconnected. And building community, to me, is an essential antidote to all of the stuff we're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is that evidence anywhere in the current transits that you can see specifically? or Part of why that's hard for me to say is because... I don't want to get too much into I don't want to get too much into the very modern astrological tendency to equate eleventh house with Aquarius and Uranus. Mm-hmm. But I think Aquarius and Uranus are part of the story here. Yeah. We do have Uranus and Taurus as one of the larger, you know, very long term themes. 
revolutionizing the way we connect and relate and show up in physical space. And one of the things all the astrological magician people I know, uh, one of the things we're all talking about is how after Saturn leaves Capricorn, he goes into Aquarius and he's going to be a way more constructive Saturn then. Like nobody, yeah. everyone's saying there's no making a Saturn talisman while the South Node is in Capricorn and along with Saturn. You have to wait until Saturn goes into Aquarius to get a halfway usable Saturn. Yeah. And so there is that sense of the more constructive building of things and Saturn builds things happening after he goes into Aquarius. And there is this theme of Uranus in this Venus world sign revolutionizing how we connect and how we show up in physical space. And I think that's all super important. And I think part of what's happening in these couple of months in particular is there's all this stuff in Cancer that's very, very wounded by Capricorn. Like in June, we've had Mars and Mercury go through Cancer, and now we and just towards the end of June, uh, just yesterday, as of this recording, you've got the Sun going through Cancer, and the Sun will be in Cancer for most of July. And you've also got Venus entering Cancer on July 3rd. So all of this Cancer energy is very soft and very squishy and very like trying to protect itself with this hard outer shell, this armor. And Cancer is often associated with family, but it's not necessarily family in terms of blood relation. It often is. Cancer has this theme of the people you surround yourself with, of your crew, your clique, you know, your peeps. Right. And so bringing that clique, that crew together, getting your people together brings people together, you know, getting your people together helps strengthen those cancer bonds to counteract all of the Capricorn bullshit we're dealing with. And like, that's a lot of what the foggy labyrinth is about. You know, the big theme of it is all of this stuff going through cancer and opposing the barnyard. And it is a very, very hard hammer on a very soft, squishy set of planets mm -hmm. being in cancer. The other main thing going on surrounding all of this, well, two other things. For July, we've got the Mercury retrograde. Now, Mercury stations retrograde on July 7th in Leo and stations direct um, on July 31st, very last day uh, in Cancer. So they're going to retrograde back because they're they're stationing in very early Leo, going to retrograde back into Cancer, not quite get all the way to an exact opposition with Pluto. They're going to be like a degree or two off. Mm -hmm. But when they station direct on the last day of the month, they'll be pretty close. I use they them pronouns for Mercury. It seems appropriate, right? Everybody likes to complain about Mercury retrogrades. Most of Mercury retrogrades not that bad. 
And I don't think this one is going to be quite as bad as the one in March was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one was a doozy. That was a little, that was very rough. But part of why that was so rough is because Mercury is very mutable and takes on the characteristics of whatever they're most closely configured to. Mm-hmm. What Mercury is most closely configured to for this retrograde is Mars. Because they're stationing right on Mars. So there's going to be martial flavor to this retrograde. There's going to be a lot of, um, there's going to be Mars stuff, fights, aggression, conflict, anger. It's going to be another hot summer, probably with all of this stuff going on in the sky. And especially with that Mercury retrograde conjunct Mars, there's going to be tempers that are flaring and the miscommunications will lead to pretty nasty arguments and just more likely to get into a physical accident with a, an injury because of all of this. Mm-hmm. And that is just something to deal and which, which is hard because everybody all is feeling all soft and sensitive and, and opposed by the boneyard. You know, Mars will be in Leo for July. Mars enters Leo on July 1st. And so a lot of the martial energy is, it's, you know, it's Leonine. It's, it's big, it's dramatic, it wants attention. And that's a lot of the flavor of the month. Also, you wanted to point out the, something about the Mars Uranus square on uh, July 11th. I mean, it's sitting right in the middle of all of this chaos. Yeah, I just take particular notice to this because of, A, everything that's going on in the world right now. And B, that they're both in fixed signs. And two volatile planets interacting in a hard aspecting way while both in fixed energies. Oh, it just stresses me out to see. <laughs> I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but I don't know. It's very, to use my metaphor of two people trying to squeeze through a door frame at the same time that I use for squares. Imagine if like both of those people were made of boulders, you know, like fixed energy is just so solid and having two volatile planets going up, trying to squeeze through a door. Like two big, heavy wrestlers. Yeah. It's just solid muscle. I mean, more likely is they're just cracked the door frame. Yeah. You know, like that's, that always worries me because it's like, and it's like random accidents. You know, like... And random tempers. Uh, yeah. Explosive argument that came out of nowhere, but then, like, lasts all day, and you wanted to do something with your day, and then it's just ruined. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> something like that. I'm just like, ugh. And it's right in the middle of the month. Yeah. July 11th, yeah. Right between eclipses. We'll get know. to the eclipses in a minute. Right. I do want to point out some particular dates. Just because when some of this energy will let up a bit, the sun makes its exact opposition to Saturn on July 9th, and then it's past Saturn. And then it opposes Pluto on July 14th, and then the sun is past Pluto. So the issues of the ego identity and the, the sense of self and like the, all of the Leo stuff 
being ruled by the sun, dealing with being in Cancer gets easier after that middle of the month. All of the Venus stuff, however, right after that, Venus hits it. So Venus opposes Saturn on July 17th and opposes Pluto on July 21st. And then she's clear of the boneyard. Although when they're both fully clear of the boneyard is when they're in Leo. Right. And the sun enters Leo as he does every year, uh, more or less on July 21st. Venus enters Leo on July 27th. And those two dates are going to be some real easing up of this, the intensity of this energy. And then July 31st, Mercury's direct. Eclipse season is over because there's a new moon on July 31st. And then boom, then it's August and we can breathe. I mean, there's a little bit of second shadow. There's some shadow on the other side of Mercury. Through like the 15th of August, but like... I'm not worried about that. I- after all this, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, because that's one thing. That's one right. planet in Cancer, and it's out of orb of the Boneyard. Or it's not It's not out of orb of Pluto. It is separating from the Boneyard. Right. So let's talk about these eclipses. We actually entered eclipse season with the previous full moon in Sagittarius on... June 17th. The first eclipse of this particular season is a solar eclipse on July 2nd. It is only going to be visible for the most part over the middle of the ocean. The path will take it over a good portion of South America. It is at 10 degrees of Cancer. In New York time, it takes place at 3.16pm on July 2nd. And it is configured through Saturn and Pluto by a pretty wide orb, but it's there. 10 Cancer is a particularly difficult degree. I've seen it in a few places, and it's this very sort of odd, don't fit in, cause feeling extreme shame and discomfort and criticism because of not fitting in and awkward. And I believe the Chandra symbol is something like uh, monstrosities in glass jars at a sideshow. <laughs> uh-huh. there, there's a lot of emotional pain around that degree. Um, yeah. So around the time of this eclipse, particularly if you have anything near or at 10 degrees, uh, especially of a cardinal sign, Aries, Capricorn, Libra, or Cancer, just be very gentle with yourself as much as you can be. Absolutely, whatever you do, do not try and do moon, lunar, or solar magic around the eclipses. You do not want to ask the moon or sun for stuff while they are busy getting eaten by dragons. (laughs) Or snakes will show up in your home. (laughs) Excellent. Like, you know, like that meme, snakes literally started manifesting in my house. Yeah. There's a meme about that. (laughs) That happens when you try to use the eclipses for magic. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, snakes or other sorts of lizards. Or you go blind. Eclipse magic is not a good idea. Yeah, also, yeah, not ideal. Avoid. Yes, bad. (laughs) Do not want. (laughs) So also, like, if you start having dreams about reptiles, don't worry about it. It happens around eclipses. Weird dreams in general, but especially 
involving reptiles because eclipses are tied to the north and the south node, which are the head and tail of the dragon. And that is very literal. And cross-cultural as well. South American astrology, uh, I believe Mayan, also used uh, serpent symbolism for the nodes of the moon. Mm-hmm. So that is very cross-cultural. And it shows up in very literal ways. It's pretty self-contained. You know, the it's opposing Saturn and Pluto. Um, there's the trine to Neptune, which is making it a little woozy. Um, but it's not configured to much of anything else. Mm-hmm. Bit of a sextile Uranus. The main point around this is just there's a lot of sensitivity. There's a lot of emotional vulnerability. If you're the kind of person who cries a lot, uh, one, I admire that. <laughs> I wish I was that kind of person. I'm jealous. But two, be prepared for a lot of crying, particularly around July 2nd. Yeah. I. That's the day. Oh, goodness. That's the day the movers are moving our large furniture. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be You'll be fine. fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> that just struck me. I was like, the second something's happening. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I also have to move at the end of July. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be spending all of July packing. Uh. That was part of my labyrinth thing, which I'm not getting into. Fair. But I feel... I feel, we all feel. We all feel, feel real we good. feel so much. We have all the feels. Feel so much, yes, feel. It's just the way you make me feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, nice. times are tough, but we still have Janelle Monet. True. And for that, we are grateful. For that, we are grateful. Forever and ever, amen. Amen. Yeah, I was going to <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway then we've got the lunar eclipse on july 16th this one in new york time is at 5 38 p.m the moon will be at 24 degrees capricorn and the sun will be at 24 degrees cancer it will be visible um over a pretty wide area actually much of Europe, much of Asia, Australia, Africa, Southeast, North America, South America, Pacific, Atlantic, a lot of the oceans. If you're in Antarctica, you'll be able to see it. But yeah, no, that one is going to be pretty visible in a lot of places. I should mention that the lunar eclipse is a partial eclipse and the solar eclipse is total. Okay. Total eclipses tend to be more intense and partial ones. Like the ones of the heart? Turn around. <laughs> Have you seen that literal video version of the of Total Eclipse of the Heart? Yeah. Where they're just singing what exactly is happening in the music video to yeah. the tune of Total Eclipse of the Heart. If you haven't, you should look it up. You should look it up. <laughs> it is hilarious. And, Pretty lit. And you will be suddenly aware of how bizarre that music video is. <laughs> I mean, all music videos are bizarre. Yeah. If you really look at them, um, 
Oh man, there's <laughs> there's the oh, God, I don't want to get into YouTube food stuff. There's so <laughs> that is a rabbit hole. <laughs> the partial lunar eclipse is on July sixteenth, five thirty eight p.m. in New York time. So this one is much more closely configured to the boneyard, just because you've got the moon about three degrees away from Pluto. Uh, much further from Saturn. You know, the the solar eclipse is much closer to Saturn, but it does really take on the deep, dark intensity flavor of Pluto more so. Still a lot of the Saturn as well. It's in the Saturn world sign. 24 Capricorn is also the terms of Saturn. Uh, so there's minor forms of planetary dignity. A lot of people know about, okay, a planet has rulership in this sign or like a planet is exalted in some other sign. Right. But there's also minor forms of dignity, uh, including like little uneven subdivisions called terms or bounds. Uh, Astrology Podcast has a great episode on that, an interview with Charles Obert, uh, which I'm always pointing people to to learn about planetary dignity. So check them out. Hopefully they'll cross with us someday. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. We like them. They're cool people. But anyway, 24 cap is a very Saturn degree. Very. A lot of Saturn going on there. I'm blanking out. My brain isn't doing anything. My brain has wandered off in the distance, never to return. How foggy. So this eclipse has a very strong Saturn flavor and a very strong Pluto flavor, in addition to just being right there with the boneyard. This is where you're expecting to see a lot more of the, like the lunacy that you see with full moons, of the over intense, like intense emotions, temporary mental illness afflictions. Yeah. We've all been there. Some of you people more temporary than me. But also like a lot of this like dark underbelly of just this eruption of here's all of those. So all the labyrinth stuff of dealing with all the super squishy emotional feels wandering through the fog. All of a sudden it's like, oh, those feels. Oh, that's what's underneath all of these squishy emotional stuff. That is some intense emotions I did not know we had going on here. Right, exactly. I feel like you had more to say there, though. No. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I understand. I feel the things. Huh? I don't have much to add to that. All right. There's so much Pluto here, though. Yeah. There's some interesting angularity with these eclipses in New York. But that's only applicable to people from New York, so I won't go into that. So basically, all of July is eclipse season. There's a lot of weird shit that happens in eclipse season. Yeah, totally. Things just going strangely, things going wrong, things going, oh, I didn't know that that was how that was going to turn out. So be prepared for that. You know, don't take it too personally. June and July are the toughest months of 2019. And once the months are over, uh, it's back to a moderately acceptable and dealable with level of toughness. All right. I can, uh, I can do that. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. It's like that'll seem very doable know. after all this. My math teacher, sophomore year of high school, always used to say, "I give you harder homework than the tests, so the tests seem easier than they are." Like, okay, <laughs> that's ex- yes, that's it. That's that's that is this month. Yeah, that is perfect. It's the hard Margaret. homework. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mr. Martins. <laughs> I think we'll call it there. <laughs> no, I want to end on that note. That's a good note. That is a good note. The homework's harder than the test. Yeah. All right. So if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a positive rating and a review on whatever podcast site software uh carrier pigeon you listen to podcasts on uh it really helps us out and uh helps us talk to more people if you want to reach out to us as a podcast we are on twitter at bird's eye astro our instagram account is kind of not being used right now because nate's on vacation but but that is bird's eye (laughs) astrology we have one bird's eye astrology uh, you can find us on Patreon if you'd like to support the show and the production of future podcasts and help us pay our uh, irreplaceable and lovely and talented audio engineer better. And, you know, just help us keep this podcast going. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash astrology. I am on Twitter at lip and bone on Instagram at readings by Arthur and you can find me and book a reading at arthurlipbonowitz.com that is A-R-T-H-U-R-L-I-P-P-B-O-N-E-W-I-T-S dot com Margaret, where can folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at madmarg underscore so M-A-D-M-A-R-G underscore um, on Instagram at madmarg underscore as well my personal facebook if you're interested in that you can go ahead and search for me there if you're interested in any readings go ahead and shoot me an email at skyrootsastrology at gmail.com s-k-y-r-o-o-t-s-a-s-t-r-o-l-o-g-y at gmail.com all right this is a brief episode but it's hot out (laughs) and i think we covered everything it's getting hot we didn't get really into it this month but We hit the notes. Yes, we did. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.